Jonathan Green, you got to call this race. What do you think, my friend? I think it was motor racing at its absolute finest. Uh, it doesn't get any better than that. Uh, really, really tremendous race. Uh, two men at the top of their game. Hamilton without the win. You saw the nerves from his physio. Uh, the Kiwi young lady there, she just was, you know, it said it all. Uh, they were on tenterhooks, uh, hoping as the track invasion starts to happen here at Coda, they were hoping that Hamilton could finally win one race. He's got a couple more chances because he's been a winner in every season he's been in Formula One, but yet this season, and you have to say though, Max Verstappen, after what was a terrible pit stop, I said it was the, the horses <laughs> and the, uh, the uh, Red Bulls, but it ended up being a gunslinger. Well, I, I have to apologize. We got so some uh, podium interviews. Here we go. Here's Lewis. The pace just wasn't quite there. So to keep here first. them behind, but you must be satisfied overall. Yeah, satisfied in a way because we we started P12, so podium is a good achievement. But looking at the race, it's obviously a little bit uh, uh, disappointing. We we had the pace, but then we had a little bit too much deck towards the end of the race, and uh, yeah. But uh, we'll work, and uh, at the end. Uh, P3 starting on P12 is not that bad. Yeah, we're seeing behind you on the screen there was some good overtaking, some good racing out there. You're quite red in the face, so this is one of the tougher races, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, it definitely is, especially the first sector with so much G-forces. And with a tired egg, you're, you keep uh, working with the steering wheel, uh, which makes it uh, even more difficult. But it was a nice, quite a nice battle with, uh, with Checo and then later on with Max. Uh, but uh, yeah, we need to, to keep working in order to challenge them a bit more uh, towards the end of the races. So we're still waiting for uh, number two and number one to come out and join us. So let's talk a little bit. Ferrari racing for them in America. You have a huge following here. Yeah, I'm uh, extremely lucky uh, to be a Ferrari driver. And uh, I know it, but uh, we, we need to keep pushing. It's great to be here to see so many people and so many red shirts. So uh, yeah, we'll keep working and hopefully next year we'll win. And you have a short turnaround now before the Mexican Grand Prix. Any upgrades coming for that race? Uh, any what? Any upgrades, any more performance coming for the um, next Grand Prix? No, it's not, it's not planned that way, but uh, yeah, we'll try to maximize our package. Okay, Charles, thank you very much. Enjoy the podium. Thank you, thank you very much. Lewis, getting some water down there. Charles has told us it's a tough race. You have a great following here. For a moment, it looked like the victory was on. You gave it everything. We heard you complimenting the team on the strategy, but just the underlying pace wasn't there. Yeah, first, sir, I want to be, give a huge thank you to the, the crowd here. We have such an amazing crowd. This is the biggest crowd we've had here in the whole time we've been here. So big, big thank you, everybody. Um, that was, secondly, I want to give a big shout out to my team. We came here with upgrades. We closed the gap a little bit. It was so, so close. But um, I did everything I could to try and stay ahead, but they were just a little bit too quick today. But great strategy, uh, great race by Red Bull. And, uh, and again, my condolences to, to the team. Beautiful words, Lewis. Great respect there. Put us in the cockpit, as you can hear the crowd cheering for you there. This was a tough race. You love this race circuit, but how far did you have to dig deep to, to get yourself into that lead? Oh, I mean, I'm shattered. I, uh, the car was a handful today, and uh, it felt amazing, firstly, to be in the lead. That's something we've been working so hard on as a, as, a, as a team through the year, and I felt so much hope. But it's okay. We'll hold on to that. We'll keep pushing. We'll try and give it everything we can in these next three. Uh, he'll come to us at some stage. So, 
Okay, well, enjoy the podium, enjoy the champagne, and uh, get Thank a rest you. before Mexico. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, your race winner, Max Verstappen. Wow, you worked hard for that one. It looked at a certain moment, it was slipping away. The pit stop, very uncharacteristic. There was an issue clearly with the wheel gun, but then you got your head down, you had to fight hard there with Lewis. How does this victory feel? Yeah, it was a tough one. I mean, it was all looking good, but then of course, uh, pit stop was a bit longer than we would have liked, so I had to fight my way uh, forward again. But. Uh, yeah, we gave it everything out there today, and uh, of course, it's a very difficult weekend for us. So uh, this one is definitely dedicated to Dietrich himself, uh, what he has done for everyone. Um, the only thing we could do today was win, and even though after the pit stop it was not looking great, I gave it everything out there, and I pushed to, to the limit to come back. So we saw you embracing with Helmut Marko as you got from the car. He's been instrumental, obviously, in so many drivers' careers. A great moment to, on reflection on the life of Dietrich Mateschitz to win the Constructors' Championship here as well. So, along with Checo, a great team effort this year. Yeah, of course, we had a big chance to, to win the Constructors here. And, uh, of course, you want to do that in style. And uh, I think we did that today. Yeah, we're seeing behind on the screen the battle you had, first of all, with uh, Charles and the Ferrari. And then, of course, Lewis here on the brakes. You had the DRS. You had to make it stick. And the battle continued to the next corner. Yeah, it was a few corners, but this is a great track anyway for battling. Like, if you pass at one corner, you can come back in the next, and uh, yeah, it's really enjoyable to drive here. Does this victory mean more to you because of the emotion of the weekend, because of the passing of Mr. Matashitz, than other victories? Uh, it definitely means a lot to me, to the team, um, because, you know, he was so important for the whole team. He's so instrumental, and, uh, of course, it will all continue, but... We really wanted to have a good result, result today, and uh, yeah, this is of course amazing. Well, very well done. Go and enjoy the podium ceremony. Thank See you. you in Mexico. Yeah, pretty emotional Red Bull team there, boys. Oh, and I tell you, the emotions even during the race were, uh, were a roller coaster in itself. Man, what a race, guys. I have a full page of notes, and we apologize for the little bit of dead air because we had to do a pit stop ourselves, literally, but we're now looking at Shaquille O'Neal. Actually, he's known as the, the diesel uh, DJ. DJ. Diesel. Yep. He's pulling up in the giant Longhorn car. The trophy looks like a toy in his hands. <laughs> I was uh, actually kind of walked in behind him a little ways, and he turned to go in one of the suites, and he had to duck to go inside the door. Yeah. Well, guys, this race, this was, I mean, dare I say the best? It's hard to compare that with the emotion we feel being here. Yeah. All right, well, guys, we do need to get a quick break in. Let's do that now, and we're going to come back and break down this entire race. Thanks for tuning into Speed City, and we'll be back after these messages. All right, welcome back. We are live at Circuit of the Americas. And we could not be more excited for this Formula One United States Grand Prix. It was an epic race. And we're looking out the window at the huge crowd, the crowd of young people, yeah, Jonathan yeah, and, and Bob Varsha. It looks like a, a really young crowd streaming in to try to get photos of Max Verstappen. Wow, what a race, though, guys. I don't think I've seen that many eyeballs since uh, Ed Sheeran last night. 
Yeah, there you go. Well, when you've got Tim Cook here, you never know. You see, you, you, you're, you're in safe hands. <laughs> you open the trunk and pass down a few boxes. Now, if you can just hand out, uh, you know, the transporter. He and Elon should just build a transporter to get us out of here. <laughs> At the end of the day, the show and everything, I'm ready. Grace, talk about the first lap. That upset everything that I think we had predicted with a uh, sign spinning after getting bumped from Russell. Uh, what was your take on that situation, the uh, bump from Russell into signs, Bob? Here it is, the podium for round 19 of the FIA's Formula One World Championship, the Aramco United States Grand Prix. In third place, Charles Leclerc of Monaco from 11th on the grid. Well done to Charles Leclerc. In second place, Lewis Hamilton from Great Britain, his third. All right, sorry guys, we're trying to get some technical difficulties work out here out at Circuit of the Americas, but I know my mic is working. I think Bob was having trouble, trouble with his, but Jonathan, how about your mic? About yeah, I think I'm on. Okay, we got <laughs> you, Jonathan. Uh, but yeah, guys, this was just an amazing race. I mean, I have pages and pages of notes. That huge crash with Alonzo and Lance Stroll oh. and the wheelie, the 200-mile-an-hour wheelie. I oh, know. Uh, and how close was it? Okay, we're still having trouble with your mic, Bob, but... Um, that's two for me. Yeah, that's there you two. Go. Try again. How about this one? Does this work? <laughs> one more time. I am the destroyer of microphones, I guess. Then. <laughs> uh, yeah, you. that was a very sketchy crash. Chris Medlin called it at the time, and I agreed with him that, uh, that Lance Stroll, who's having such a great race, running up at the top three early on, um, moved. And uh, at the last second... Fernando almost missed him, but managed to get his right front tire into Stroll's left rear. That put the Alpine up in the air. Fortunately, Al Alonso's trajectory took him past the extraction gap in the fence, so he simply ground down the, um, the Armco while uh, Stroll spun and lost a wheel, and his race was over, which was unfortunate because Aston Martin looked really good this this uh, this Sunday at Coda. Certainly it was Sebastian Vettel catching that last position at the end of the race to uh, to cap a good day for him at Coda. I got a question for Dave O'Neill on this. So after Alonzo's flying wheelie and the floor <laughs> obviously smashing to the ground, the rib that has that dimension that must be maintained through the race, is there any consideration for what he went through and then completed the race? The legality plank. Yes, yeah, they'll take that into account, you know. Um, but I think the the time it hit the ground was like, you know, maybe a quarter of a second, so it wouldn't have taken much material off. I think the testament to the car, really, for uh, how high it was and how hard hard it came down. But also, I don't know, you know, when he came down the side of the barrier, there was that gap in the middle of the straight, and it's like he was so close to catching that. And if you remember, that's what came into play in that big NASCAR uh, accident uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah, it reminds me of that crash that happened in NASCAR in the rain where that, that barrier did come into play. Yeah, so lucky, so lucky. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, the, the latter part of the race, he lost the final part of the loose, uh, loose bodywork, which was the mirror um, halfway down the straight. <laughs> I have a feeling somebody in a track invasion may have a really cool souvenir. 
That uh, I, I always wondered about that, but I was that was one piece. But uh, let's go back to lap one. That was the one that really shook everybody's bets up. Signs getting spun after a bump from Russell, uh, and it looked like Russell went too fast into it and locked up. Is is that your interpretation? Yeah, I asked Bedler what his thoughts were, and uh, he basically said that, you know, racing incident, and if he, he was going to put any blame anywhere, it would be on Russell. Well, I'll speak up for Russell, because I'm the one who, who misdescribed his move early on, and I'll say that uh, Carlos Sainz did come across uh, his bow just that little bit. So, you know, plenty of blame to go around. I just felt badly for Carlos Sainz on a weekend that held so much promise for Ferrari. Well, Sainz was actually retired because of a water leak uh, after that. Uh, the car was still moving, but it was a water leak that took him out and uh, retired him to the garage. That definitely signed out, or that definitely changed quite a bit of our projections on this. You can lead a horse to water. <laughs> uh, but big picture, guys, we had... <laughs> oh, look at the show. Helmut Marco gets it all. <laughs> Yeah, we're just watching Helmut Marco celebrate with Max Verstappen on the podium, and the Jeroboam of uh, Champagne is literally drenching Helmut Marco. Yeah, a big picture, guys, with uh, the constructors' championship now in the books, along with the driver championship. Red Bull's season is really uh, uh, just an unbelievable season for them, and it's just too bad the the timing of uh, Matichut's passing, but. Yeah, and I'm thinking of Helmut Marko as we see him up there, and that's probably the reason he's up there, is he had a close relationship with uh, Mr. Red Bull, Dietrich Mateschitz, um, over so many years. I mean, we forget how long Red Bull has been out there, not only in motorsports, but in other forms of uh, adventure sports and Olympic sports and, and whatever you care to name. So good for Helmut Marko, that a glorious day for the team winning both championships, and he gets a champagne dunking. Yeah, Matasic was a, a relative recluse uh, in modern day uh, sort of times because he never really came to many races. He was a big airplane fan. He built this big hangar in Austria, had a, his own private island in Fiji where he would uh, you know, keep away from people. He didn't give interviews, very rarely, um, and uh, a very wealthy man, clearly from the success of Red Bull, but uh, kept in the background, let Helmut Marko and the rest of the team uh, do, do the front part. Jonathan, I've never seen a track invasion like this. this I mean, we're, our commentary booth is way down by turn 20, and we've never seen the crowd. They're out both directions of our window. This is a massive crowd, and now they're all on the track right in front of the, the main grandstands and the podium from turn 20 all the way up to turn one, it looks like. Yeah. Absolutely. And, yes, honey, and that's my daughter. I, we know you're out there. <laughs> She's texting you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, don't drop your phone because Tim <laughs> Cook ain't going to give you a free oh one gosh. now. Oh, gosh. It, hey, Dave O'Neill, I want to ask you about uh, when we were we were listening to the, the Hammer Time radio message from the Hamilton team, from the Mercedes team telling Hamilton Hammer Time, and he was about to – we all thought he was going to, you know, go for it. And Lap sudden, 12. And then, he, and then he pits, yeah, immediately. Yeah, I, I think it was um – you know, playing trickeration, with, bit of trickeration, yeah, <laughs> playing with the opposition. <laughs> Seems strategy. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Lap twelve, and that's where it question where I questioned it because it was like that is way early, and I agree when we saw that happen, and then immediately after that they tell Verstappen free to push. Yeah, that was not. <laughs> hey, uh, Dave, I was asking you during the race. I thought, okay, was that five second penalty appropriate for for Russell when he pushed signs out of the race? 
And I thought, was it enough? But, you know, you said, yeah, it probably was, especially based on where we were in the race. Yeah, I think, you know, start start of the race, everyone's close together, all packed up. Um, there's got to be a bit of, uh, bit of leniency there. So I, I think it was fair enough. Um, it kind of destroyed his race, really, um, when you look at the result. Uh, so, Jonathan, I mean, calling your 10th race here at Circuit <laughs> of the Americas, I mean, uh, that's got to have a little special feeling, too. Yeah, I mean, no question. Um, you know, the, the, we've had so many great races here, but they have been dominated by Mercedes over the years. Botas has won, Hamilton's won, obviously Hamilton's won, also for McLaren, Ferrari. Um, have not had a good a bunch of races here. And again, didn't go their way, and they had such high hopes after qualifying. But this was, we've had some good races here, but this is the closest I've seen uh, in terms of the first and second, and then that battle between Vettel and Magnussen, the Haas team actually fighting for points. Dave O'Neill must be, you know, he must be proud. <laughs> to, Coming to out see, of his chair. Yeah, to see Magnussen and, and, and Gunter and his team doing so well, fighting, fighting with a four-time world champion. Yeah, I mean, you have to look at the tyres as well. You know, the, the yeah. amount, of, amount of laps yeah. that Magnussen did on that set yes. of tyres. He just carried on pushing and pushing and pushing, yep. and the tyres never gave away. And um, 38. Was, uh, 38 laps, there wow. you go. Yeah, that wasn't in the script. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was not in the strategic plan book today. Strange enough, the, uh, both Magnussen and Vettel stopped right outside our window here. And they got out, and uh, Magnussen was waiting for Vettel to get out, and they gave each other a hug. It was like those final few turns, which are showing it now. Look on the on the third. Oh, that's the, yeah. I mean, that was so close. That, that was an amazing battle at the end, wasn't it? Vettel had done an overtake on the inside of 19 earlier in the race, and he tried it again, almost pulled it off, but Magnussen, coming up the undercut on the inside, almost does it, but what a race to the line, and Vettel deserving that one. But Magnussen, like you say, doing an amazing <laughs> job. <at> <laughs> yeah, he yes. looked as though he'd won the race. He was giving us a massive fist And bump. driver of the day, I may add. Wow. Oh, that's great. That's great. I, I really thought that would have been Max. And, you know, I, I signed off Max when he got that 11.2 second pit stop i thought that was the coffin nail oh that's fantastic though v sebastian vettel driver of the day i am pinching myself and i don't know if dave and, and bob who, who've done a similar sort of time i have in formula one it, it, this is like monza and it's real it's mm. not just uh, a sort of quisitive look at formula one these are genuine formula one fans everyone has gear on merchandise on they're all got their phones out they're all genuinely trying to cram in to see the podium just like the tofosi in monza that is a very very interesting contrast to the early days here at coda when there was a lot of people here that were just as, here to see the spectacle of it the new something that's new in their town they didn't know what it was but now we've got austin fans but all over the United States and the world, for that matter, just packed in here. It's really a stunning. And as sports go, UT are playing today or yesterday, and Austin FC, the only other professional sport in this town. And look at this crowd, and not not necessarily all from Austin either, from all over the world. Uh, Austin is buzzing. We've had two weekends of ACL. The airports, <laughs> the, the, the airport is that employs, an air quality reference. Yeah. The airport employees are going to need a vacation after these next three, after these past three weekends. Well, they are expecting another record travel day of airport traffic tomorrow. Have they... fun, Bob. Yeah, don't yeah. remind me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's stick around a couple of days. Mm. A so, lot of the Formula One journalists, incidentally, uh, and staff are staying on until Wednesday.
Thursday and then going on uh, to begin work again in Mexico on Thursday. That's, a, that's something the journalists can do. I'm sure, Dave, uh, the mechanics don't have that choice because they're all setting up and undoing boxes and stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting that everybody's chosen to stay potentially till Wednesday after Austin. Listen to all the noise from the crowd, too. They're, they're not just, you know, passing by in a traffic jam. They are cheering and yelling. This is fantastic. Love the excitement. Uh, like I said, besides just the mass. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, let's get our first break in. And uh, when we come back, we'll continue to break down the United States Grand Prix and, and uh, probably get Chris Medlin in the booth for us. You're listening to Speed City Live from Circuit of the Americas. Back after this. All right. Welcome back to Speed City's coverage of the Formula One United States Grand Prix. We're live at Circuit of the Americas, basking in the glow of a fantastically successful weekend. This weekend ticked every single box, right? We had fantastic crowd, fantastic racing, great concerts, celebrities galore. What else could we have had, Jonathan? Not much. Um, I mean, if you're going to put uh, the eye on American following a Formula One, forget Drive to Survive for a second. Everybody keeps talking about it. Yes, it's been a huge catalyst to get young and new fans to Formula One. But I think those fans have always been here. Bob, Bob, um mentioned in the commentary that you know indianapolis had a record uh, crowd when it first came so the american fans have always latently been there if you like but now with these new fans it really is in vogue and for the right reasons, for the racing reasons, we saw coming in this morning at 8 o'clock uh, fans looking for autographs of drivers. They weren't looking for celebrities. They were looking for the drivers. They all had shirts on. It's a different culture now than we've ever had in America, and it's so pleasing with three Grand Prix next year. And, Bob, you've been here for all of these Grand Prix as well, just about all of them. Mm -hmm. Almost uh, all. I mean, what's your take? Oh, spectacular. You know, I, I've said the place was almost unrecognizable. There have been so many improvements made. And, you know, truth compels me to say there will be a lot of improvements that will still need to be made. Keep in mind, I mean, this is a great racing facility, but once a year it becomes so much more than that. 400,000 people plus over three days. I mean, you can't build a facility to handle that big a crowd every single day of the year. And, you know, yeah. and, and do well enough with it. Yeah, there's the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, but that's been there since 1911, for crying out loud. Hmm. Um, yeah, so, point. you know, you know, you uh, <laughs> as a as a facility, a going concern that's ready from year to year and ready to pay the heavy freight that you need to to bring the Formula One circus to town. This is a, a huge asset for the American motorsports family. And let me just take you back two years, John. Um, I came here to get my COVID shot. That was something that Bobby Epstein did with Seton Hospital, offering drive-through COVID shots in the middle of the pandemic. 75 of the staff here at the Circuit of the Americas were let go, uh, given that uh, they, you were able, if furloughed, to get you know, help from the government uh, to keep everybody going. So this was a ghost town. There was nobody yeah. here. And you have to ask the question with motor racing not coming uh, and Formula One not coming. You just wonder. I thought at the time, it's curtains. You cannot, you know, once you lose the big event uh, and nobody's going outside for track days or anything else, uh, you really can't run a circuit. And to see this, uh, Bobby Epstein will sleep well tonight. You ha you needed me to bring you off that cliff, Mr. Uh, Optimist. I I never thought it was curtains, but I was definitely very yeah. worried. And yeah. I, I, I mean, well, it's happened to so many circuits. I mean, look at Turkey. Look at, uh, I mean, there's so many that have gone, by true, the way. Yeah. Yeah. India, and, Korea. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. and, and we talked to Bobby about this, and he talked about how 
it has been so wonderful to be able to plan properly because of the momentum coming out of last year's 400,000 people, the early sellout they had of this where they could prepare, and boy, you could see it. You could see it the moment you pulled in the parking lot that and, this place was much re- more prepared. And do you remember at the end of last year, we were only just opening the borders of coming out of COVID. We yeah. were still worried about people being able to get here uh, from, from Europe. Yeah. Uh, and, and that crowd just I mean, had been you know, locked down for two years, and they came out. And it changed, it changed the face of this race. Well, let's get back to the race today. I want to go to you, Dave O'Neill, because I, I felt like, I said it earlier, I think this was one of the best races of the year. Uh, what, do you, what do you think? Well, I think it was. You know, the, the, it was masked from the fact that you, we didn't know what you, the, hard, the hard tyres were going to do. And, um, you know, that, that kind of put a, a bit of magic in there as well. And then, of course, you know, you had uh, Magnussen doing the 38 laps on the mediums. So um, we had several leaders over the course of the race. Yeah, um, good point. And we had drama in the pits, you know, with people making up, you know, Verstappen with his 12-second pit stop coming around, making yeah. made it all up, you know, and it didn't look real. Um, once he came back out again, he still had the, the you know, the Ham- Hamilton had the gap and uh, Verstappen had his work cut out to, to bring it down. And once he got within the second, he was in, in the DRS zone and it was... It was kind of all over from that point, but it, you know, it, it was a race until mm. the end. Yeah. Rather when I than saw a procession. when we saw that 11 second stop, I said, "Oh, it, Hamilton's won the race." You know, I thought yeah. I thought Hamilton was going to win it at that point. So did Verstappen. Yeah, <laughs> so did, so did Verstappen. But his engineer came on the radio and said, "Hold on, can you put your head down. Let's get back in this thing. We're all We're in, in this, this together." together. Yep, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and then Vettel, he had problems in the pits as well. He had yep. problems in the pits, and he yep. managed to come back and put it right as well. Here comes Valtteri Bottas's Alfa Romeo on the back of a truck. Yeah, remember we had Verstappen's 11-second pit stop followed immediately by almost a four-second pit stop from Perez. So they, they were a little bit on the back foot, Red Bull, but the whole team right after that. That mm-hmm. was... That was definitely unpleasant. But then we had a fantastic Leclerc-Verstappen battle, battle going on until – that was like lap 39 – until Verstappen get, could get past Leclerc. Yeah, the, the, the Red Bull car was definitely quick down the straight today, and I think that's kind of what won it. You know, around the corners, um, they were pretty much a match. Dave, what's your take on Stroll's move on Alonso? I know it, it, it ended up in a big crash, but was Stroll in the wrong definitely? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, honestly, I think, yeah. yeah. It's too bad because he was having a good weekend, qualified yeah, great. Weekend, yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, and he has he's, <laughs> has done well, but that was. I, th- I think I said at the time, welcome to the Aston Martin team, teammate. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what, what Dave O'Neill was telling him in this. Brad Pitt's still getting selfies. Yeah. That we, we've had uh, plenty of Brad Pitt coverage on the, on the camera coverage. Doesn't out do here. any harm to the sport, I have to say. You know. Uh, we've had many celebrities here, but uh, given that he's serious about uh, wanting to do a racing film, like many before him. <laughs> yeah. D- Dave, O'Neill, I want to ask you about Perez front wing. We saw the loose parts, and then we saw the parts fly off of that. My first reaction was, had that been a Haas team, they would have flagged him, made him come right in. Yeah, um, I personally, when I saw it, I thought he should have come in and changed the wing, um, and I thought the team should have told him to come in and get the wing changed, you know. It was only downhill from there with the Why parts. Why didn't they replace the wing when he did come in? Well, I think at that stage they'd realised that nothing else was falling off. They'd probably looking at the data and checking 
see where the downforce figures were and they weren't losing anything. So it was a brilliant pit stop. Brilliant pit stop, yeah. And, um, you know, saved themselves eight seconds doing a pit stop with a nose. And so. do you think that it was right to not give Perez a penalty for that? I think it's it, it's a case-by-case case basis, isn't it? You know, when you first look at it, you'd say he should have come in and had it changed. There's bits falling off the car. And um, most of it's, you know, the reason you're doing it is for safety reasons, not for yeah. performance reasons. What about reasons. the Alonso mirror? I mean, exactly. it's interesting. You know, yeah. I mean, when Debris is on the track, I mean, Perez has went to the right. It went sort of off track. Uh, but the, the mirror of the one finally fell off Alonso's car uh, was still on the track. Okay, not on the racing line necessarily, but it could be in an overtaking zone on, mm -hmm. at that particular part on the tra track. Yeah, exactly. And so you see some circuits, um, the marshals gathering up. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, loose debris that's been on the track. This case, I thought someone should have gone out and got that because Ooh. it is an overtaking area, isn't yeah. it? So, yeah. so dangerous again. As always, a little bit of controversy uh, and a lot going on in the background. It's been an interesting weekend outside of the race too with the announcement of our American Logan Sargent going to the Williams team. Still a lot of controversy, a very, very uh, heated press conference about Red Bull and their overspend, if you will, past the 5% and uh, their infraction. They're debating it. Uh, Zach Brown has come out and said they are cheating. And he was sat right next to Christian Horner when they talked about it. The Sun, the British newspaper that gives no one an inch, <laughs> kept it going <laughs> and said, so what are you really saying? And so on and so forth, because we're yeah. confused. And, and the reason why it's important and why it took up so much air here this weekend is they're basically claiming that uh, Red Bull got it wrong, got their figures wrong, and that could have affected how well they've done in 2021. Uh, excuse me, in, in this year. 22. Yeah. We're in 22 now. I do. <laughs> they do talk about the penalties for 2021, though, when they, yeah. when they talked about it. So, I don't, I mean, Will we ever know? You know, we're, we're, we're never going to see the documents, but there was definitely a huge overspend. Uh, speaking, you know, I was, I was just checking with the producer. Chris Medlin is out there trying to get some interviews yeah. for us. and But he's also tweeting at the same time. Chris just said that Alonzo and Stroll have, been, have just gone to the stewards regarding uh, a move from Stroll on the straight like that. So yeah, there the you collision. go. Yeah, mm. the collision. So, And it looks like Chris has gotten an interview with Kevin Magnuson, and let me check with the producer and see if if that is ready. He's going to need a, another few seconds to get that ready. So we'll have an interview from Kevin Magnuson. Uh, that that's so great that Haas scored points because Dave, back in the history, we only have a handful of points here of the American team at the United States Grand Prix. Yes, it hasn't been kind to no. us. Yeah, <laughs> been a terrible circuit. Yeah, and it wasn't looking good, you know, until they they stretched the tires out. It was a blinding. Blinding move from the team to, yeah. to, to to risk it. Let me put you on the spot here. If Gunter came over and you were still in your old job and asked you what you thought of Mick Schumacher and whether he should take a punt on somebody else, what would your advice to the boss be? I think that um, up until the the um, the problem he had today, he was in front and uh, he was doing a great job. Um, I I think you have the consistency within the team you know it's getting to know another driver so if you bring someone in like Ricciardo or or um, Hulkenberg is is he quicker maybe he is but of course he's still got to get involved in the team and understand how it works you know that takes a certain amount of time to get into so answer your question I guess I'd I'd, I'd be happy if he could knock the small mistakes on his head 
to go again for year three. I think that's what seemingly is the problem. He's making, he's taking chances that perhaps a more experienced driver wouldn't, uh, and yet he's outqualified Magnussen in uh, most of the light races. Yes, exactly, and th and that's a fact. Yeah, so. and and not only taking those chances, but but where he's taking the chances, I think is is what mm. you were telling me earlier. Yeah. Yeah. More more to the point is you know calculating where where the where the move needs to be made and reducing those by, you know, yeah. 50%. All right, well, we have Kevin Magnuson. Let's hear from him. Kevin, I just saw you smiling with Norbert Vettel there. I know you didn't come out on top in that last lap battle, but it looked like you loved it. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a good battle. Of course, I'm pissed off to, uh, to lose out, but uh, I have to say that was some of the, the best racing, you know, I've, I've ever been involved. Um, the way he drove was just, yeah, incredible. And... Uh, it's, it's it's almost like I feel privileged to be able to race against someone like that. You know, it's uh, it's great, and I'm gonna take that lesson, you know, and treasure it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it's almost the end of Seb's career, and you got that in. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't racing against him. It doesn't feel like it's at the end of his his career. Just like, uh, yeah, just great driving from him. But of course, pissed off with my with myself that I just lost it under that last lap. But um, still, some good, you know, two two points for us great at this point in in, in, uh, in the season and very proud of the team for the job they're doing. I mean, it was a risky strategy. We had Pietro in the box with us during the race saying about maybe some people would one stop. I thought no one would. You were the only driver to do it. How tough was it? It was tough, but uh, yeah, the team gave me all the guidance that I, that I needed. I couldn't have done it without that. And, you know, uh, it's all down to their preparation and guidance that we were able to pull this off. And I mean, it's here it's the packed house Haas's home race just how proud are you to do it here of all places super proud uh, super super proud um, and you know it's at the same weekend as announcing money Graham as our sponsor uh, for the future title sponsor um, you know couldn't couldn't have been at a better time well great job today well done nice job there uh, ticking the box for money Graham. but but his respect for Vettel in the racing that mm -hmm. he's uh, that was that was fantastic and Dave you and I were talking about it and we said Outside of Perez, the tire whisperer, I think Kevin Magnus is way up on my list. If I have to send somebody out to go, you got to go 38 laps on a tire. Yeah, he ticked that box today, didn't he? Yeah. Mm. Well and truly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, let's, uh, let's get a quick break in. When we come back, we'll continue to break everything down. In fact, we are going to have a gentleman with us. We're going to have the head of Pirelli Motorsport with us, Mario Isola. So stick with us. We'll be back at these messages. All right, welcome back. We're still live at the Circuit of the Americas. We just talking about how Kevin Magnuson miraculously got 38 laps out of a tire. And our next guest is the perfect man to talk about that fact. Mario Isola is the head of motorsport at Pirelli. Let me ask you this. Had we asked you before the race, could Kevin have done that? What would your answer have been? I want to be 100% honest with you. I would have said no. Uh, that's, <laughs> that, that's impossible. We know that uh, here in, uh, in Austin, it's all about keeping the degradation under control. This, this track is uh, putting a lot of stress on the tires, so you have a thermal degradation that was quite clear on Friday morning. It was confirmed on Friday morning. And uh, looking at the level of degradation of the medium compound, I would have said uh, no more than uh, 20, 25 laps. He was able to run 38 laps, with a pace that was quite good. So yeah. he was able to keep uh, the, the, the yeah, car the in the Yeah, the pace was points. great at the end, wasn't it? Absolutely. Still, yeah, a absolutely. great fight with Vettel. It is true that today the level of degradation was lower than expected, probably due to the track evolution that here is quite uh, 
big, but uh, so much, honestly. <laughs> it, was, it was a bit unpredictable. And Mario, how much difference, and obviously everybody was interested to see what the new track surface uh, and the fact that there were less bumps because they dealt with some of them would be to the tyres. What was the feedback from your point of view? That's a difficult question because these cars are working in a completely different That's way right, compared downwards. to... La yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they need to be very low to generate downforce yeah. and obviously if you have bumps on track uh, that creates a lot of issues for the car to generate downforce. Uh, the fact that the bumps have been removed uh, is helping uh, these cars, keeping them uh, uh, with, a, with a good downforce. Uh, I believe uh, the wind was, uh, was uh, an element that was disturbing a lot uh, the drivers because it makes, uh, and these cars are very sensitive to the wind, that makes uh, the, the driver, the, the drivers don't have the feeling and uh, mm -hmm. you have a snap over steer, snap under steer. It, it's difficult to control the car when you have uh, gusts of, of uh, wind. So the wind is uh, the element that probably today was disturbing the driver uh, the most. On Friday in the second practice, you had the opportunity to test the prototypes for next year's tires. Was it a successful test? Did you get the data you were looking it for? It was. It was the first time that uh, we uh, had the opportunity to use uh, a free practice session dedicated to Pirelli. That was discussed at the beginning of the season when uh, we were preparing a draft plan of testing for the year. We have to develop the product every year, of obviously, because they develop the car, so they increase the performance, and we have to follow with the construction of the tires, with the compounds. It was the first year with the 18 inches, so we had already some uh, fine-tuning in mind. We were, we were uh, planning a, a test after Suzuka and after Mexico and all the teams were and not, not very happy because you can imagine people have to stay abroad for five weeks uh, without coming back home. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so we, starting, uh, we started to discuss uh, any opportunity, thinking out of the box, if there was any opportunity to test uh, in the race weekend. Obviously, a dedicated session was not possible because of the power mileage, you increase too much the power unit mileage, and that was not possible. And the teams came back to us saying, why don't we dedicate a free practice session uh, to Pirelli? Mm, it's the same for everybody. Obviously, for them, it's not ideal because they get a lot of information from FP2. But I have to say it was successful. All the 20 cars were running. We had no red flags. We had no interruptions, no uh, strange uh, situations. So we have now a lot of data uh, to analyze. We were focused more on the hardest range of compounds here in Austin and in Mexico in one week time we will test the softest uh, compounds and after that uh, we decide the compounds for next year. Did you choose Austin because of the things you talked about, the thermal, the heat that we have yeah. here and all those things? Yeah, Th this is a very representative track for tire testing. You have a bit of everything. You have uh, uh, turn two to six uh, high speed, uh, a sequence of high speed corners. You have in the last part, in the last sector, um, some corners where you have, uh, you need a good traction, traction and braking. So you have a bit of everything. If I want to make a comparison to a European uh, track that is uh, uh, often used for testing is uh, Barcelona, where you have a mm -hmm. bit of everything, and here in Austin you have a bit of everything. It's ideal for uh, for uh, tire testing. Mario, during the commentary, we were coming down to the last few laps and looking at Verstappen on a medium and Hamilton on the hard. You'd think if Hamilton could have maybe just a couple of more laps, uh, would it have been the case, had he had the chance to have maybe just two, three laps, he could have maybe caught? I can tell you is the Red Bull in the last few races uh, 
I don't know what they have done to the car, but probably some upgrades and they are using the tires very, very well. So they are able to manage the degradation of the tires uh, uh, in an incredible way. And uh, the medium of Verstappen was degrading at the same level of the hard of Hamilton. Mm. And wow. uh, yeah, clearly with more laps, you never know because you can have the medium degrading more or uh, having a cliff, but uh, it is, uh, very difficult to make a prediction on how many laps because it's not yeah. a matter of where, as I said. And uh, and Verstappen was managing the tires uh, very very well. These cars are helping a lot because when you fall another car, for example, you don't lose a lot of downforce like it was yeah. in the past. In the old days, they were yeah, they were losing 40, 50 percent on of downforce. They started sliding. You overheat the surface of the tire and you lose grip. With these cars, they can attack uh, and uh, what is. Uh, very uh, ve very nice for me as a spectator is to see that the drivers can attack uh, for three four five laps uh, and uh, and still have the grip in the tires and still can fight on track uh, and that is exactly what we want to see it's not a matter of the number of pit stops i think about all this testing that you're doing and i'm thinking okay are, are we talking about just gathering data with the new cars? Are we thinking about changes for next year? Talk about what all this testing is for. Uh, we don't want to change uh, completely the product because uh, despite the fact that we had to design this product, uh, I would say more than 50% virtually because we didn't have uh, any... Simulator uh, uh, yeah, we, we had a simulator, we had simulations from the teams, but not... Uh, real cars, uh, the current cars that are running. Uh, we were using mule cars with uh, a complete different uh, downforce package, so they were working in a different way. Despite all this, these tires are working well. The show is good. Uh, the driver can make a difference. That is exactly what we want to, s uh, to see. The driver is the hero of the show, it's not the tires. Mm -hmm. So uh, we don't want to change completely the product. What we discover with the new cars is that in low speed corners, these cars have a bit of understeer, so we need to balance, to better balance front and rear. We had the C1 compound that is the hardest in the range, that is a bit too hard, so we want to move a bit closer to the C2, to put the C3 a bit more in the middle between the C2 and C4, but minor, minor uh, changes because uh, we have. Uh, a fantastic championship and we want, we want to keep the same situation for next year hopefully with more teams fighting for the victory all right i want you to put on a different hat okay. because you got to talk about you said you didn't really get to watch the race but you are in the middle of, of formula one racing you've got to be excited about races like today a fantastic race i was telling the guys this must be yeah. one of the best of the year you did you do you agree this was a fantastic uh, no, race? I, I fully agree but uh, i have to tell you that sometime when uh, I, the race is finished. I have to watch the race again yes. <laughs> yeah. because I'm so focused and uh, I'm on the radio with the engineers in the garages, mm -hmm. with my colleagues, checking the tires after the pit stop. We measure the wear. We check uh, if there is uh, anything. And we have to inform the team immediately. Uh, yeah. Sometime also stuff like, uh, for example, there was the big accident involving Alonso and Stroll, mm -hmm. and you have a lot of debris on track. Mm. And sometime after the the pit stop, you realize that you have cuts on the tires, uh, so you need to inform immediately the team because it's a um, it's a safety issue. So we, yeah. we need to be quick and reactive and and work together with the teams in order to be sure that nothing happened. And uh, I'm. Certainly, certainly with the bigger tyres, there's been less punctures, you know, from previous years. 
is, is kind of what it looks like, whether yeah. it's true or not. But I think, you know, going back to stealing the show, I think Pirelli need to have um, FP2 tyre testing at every Grand Prix to make, <laughs> <laughs> to make the, the race more interesting, you know, or keep yeah. it interesting you know at what? least. You, you are right in one thing, that uh, when uh, teams are testing less, uh, so the engineers are not able to predict everything, the race, the race is better. I'm sorry to say that. <laughs> I said that. I said that going into the race. I said, we, there's so much unpredictability. Yeah. I said yeah. that. So we when, spent, we well, wasted FP2 for yeah. as far as the, the strategy is concerned. So when you have elements that are not under the control of the engineers, you have better racing. That, that's, uh, it's the same for safety cars when it's not expected, uh, uh, wet weather condition, all this kind of stuff. Uh, when they are not under control of the engineers, you usually have... Uh, better racing with the sprint events for example they have only one uh, yeah free practice session before going into qualifying yeah. and then they have another one that is more or less useless because the car is in Parc Ferme on Saturday morning and a lot of time we had better racing on Sunday yes. but if you tell this to the teams they're going to kill me so <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, excuse me for getting excited. I was just happy that I was in agreement with the head of Pirelli Motorsport Times. <laughs> well, we did see a fantastic race today, guys. And, mm -hmm. and, and what do you think about what you've seen in your time coming to Circuit of the Americas? I mean, look at, look at what's happened here. I mean, we have this amazing crowd. It's unbelievable. And, it's and unbelievable. My only complaint is the traffic when I go home, back, home, oh. back to the hotel. That's why we but have you on the show. <laughs> about it. Get yeah. rid of some traffic while you're Yeah, here. yeah. Uh, no, no, it's fantastic to see because I remember when we came to Austin, the, the, the first edition, yeah. 2012, 2013, we had fans, but they were not I don't want to use the, the word real fans, but uh, they were just here. They, they are were interested. They were, they were curious. Interested, curious. Right. Curious to see, yeah. okay, what is this Formula One? We don't know about Formula One. Now you have fans that are recognizing all the drivers, people, team team principals. It, it, reminds, mm -hmm. it, it reminds me of Monza, this this track invasion. I mean, absolutely. Everybody's absolutely. got the shirts on. There's Ferrari flags everywhere. I mean, yeah. it really does feel like those special moments at Monza. I remember I had this feeling for the first time last year. Mm. Last year when yeah. I came here, I usually on Friday we leave uh, the truck very, very late because we have to analyze data and so on. It was like 11 in the evening. I went out and uh, people were outside yeah. waiting for the drivers, I waiting know. for mm -hmm. uh, waving hands. Uh, that, that, that's the passion that you can feel. Bob yeah. Barsha and I went to dinner last night and it was like 8.30 at night, mm -hmm. way out in North Austin. and All the way across town from we, here. All the way across town. We walk in the restaurant and it is full of Formula One fans. Yeah. And, of course, walking next to Bob, I could, it was hard to get through the crowd with people asking for selfies and mm -hmm. all that. But it was amazing to see that many people and uh, all in their gear, all excited about the race. And yeah, it, it's, it's a big difference compared to the past. I can tell you I'm a very good friend of Gunther Steiner that oh. you know very well. <laughs> and uh, I told him, Gunther... I'm not going out for dinner with you <laughs> anymore because it yeah. is impossible yeah. to survive. He's a superstar. Right? It's a superstar. Isn't yeah. that weird? Yeah. I saw that at Miami getting autographs. Total Wolf right. and Gunter and so on. What a change. And I, I put think that that's Netflix as well. Totally down to Netflix. Yeah. Absolutely. We yeah, saw yeah, in Miami, true. everybody's going around, oh, I got a Total Wolf or a Christian Horner or a Gunter Steiner or a Fred Vasseur or Mario Isola. I'm not so famous. I'm not so famous. Do they come and look for you? Uh, in Italy, yes, ah, because okay. uh, in Monza it's my home race. Yeah. So yes, mm -hmm. uh, in some other places, uh, yeah, somebody, but not like Gunter. All right, guys, let's get a quick break in, and when we come back, we'll have more with Mario Isola from Pirelli, and we'll continue 
to bask in the glow that has been the United States Grand Prix. All right, welcome back. We're still live at the Circuit of the Americas. Our special guest in the booth is head of Pirelli Motorsport, Mario Isola, or am I saying it right every time? Everyone. Anyway, Isola, Isola. Isola. So you said something a while ago about not you, that you have to go back and watch the race. This is one of those races that yeah. we all have. We all have to do the same thing. There's so many different things. Dave, you were just talking about a couple elements that w we haven't even touched on. Um, what was one of those? Well, there's the damage to the, the wing. You know, the M8 was m missing on Perez's. You know? Yeah, so yeah. We, we used to do that when I worked in that house. Is you'd watch the race two or three times, even on the plane on yep. the way home. And the amount of stuff you used to pick up, write notes, and then when you had the debrief back at the factory or remotely, you could bring those parts up. But huge, huge amount of um, rewind to be done. Mm. So. Well, I definitely I want to look forward now because I want to get your take on Mexico because what's the, the elevation is always way more than I remember. Uh, 2,200 meters. 2,200. Quick calculation. 7,000 feet. <laughs> ah, yeah, because, sorry. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's, we that's don't get we're in the old <laughs> world here, unfortunately. <laughs> we still use 18-inch tires, but we're in. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's true. <laughs> but we, we're going to talk about, I want to talk about that. We're also going to talk about the, the, the more road car similar tires but let's talk about mexico yeah what about the tires in mexico and how that affects the whole equation it's a complete different track it's uh what we call a, a stop and go track because uh you don't have a lot of uh quicker corners it's all about braking and traction so a lot more on the longitudinal uh stress on the tire uh, the level of grip is less the asphalt is different much less aggressive than uh, austin the altitude uh, is, is limiting the downforce, even if uh, teams are taking the high downforce package, obviously you cannot generate the downforce. So you slide a little bit uh, and... Uh, uh, you just can't hardly generate Because downforce. of that, you have to rely on the grip uh, of, uh, of the tires. Yeah. Yeah, you, you can barely generate downforce in Mexico at 7,000 yeah, feet. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's quite difficult to generate any, any downforce. There's, there's no air molecules to push it down. Well, and how does it work with PSI at that kind of uh, altitude? Oh, yeah, good question. But the, the, the pressure that we, uh, the minimum pressure that we impose to the team is calculated on the simulations that we receive from the teams. So basically, in their simulation, they account everything, the level of stress on the tire, the, uh, the altitude, everything is in the simulation, and we fix our minimum starting pressure based on the simulation and then, and then we review these numbers on Friday night because sometime I have to say the teams are very accurate with the simulation so it's very difficult that uh, from Friday to Saturday we change the prescriptions but sometime it happens especially on the new circuits and so we can adjust and is there rules? I mean, you used to say the minimum, maximum, I mean, you know, a safety. There are can, they, can they kind of say, well, we don't agree, we're going to run a couple of... No, 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 no. There are, in the rules, uh, th there are some parameters that are enforced uh -huh. by Pirelli okay. that, that, that are the minimum starting pressure, the maximum camber end of straight, and the temperature, maximum temperature in the blankets. Uh -huh. And this is mainly for safety. Yeah. It's not for performance. And then performance-wise is... Uh, up to the team to decide which is if sometime in the past for example they were running a higher front pressure because with a higher front pressure especially with the 13 inches tires they had less um, 
deflection of yep. the saddle yep. and that is useful to go lower with the front of the car and generate more downforce. Hey guys, we have a couple of interviews that Chris Medlin got for us out and I think uh, the producer said these are both ready. So I want to start with Helmet Marco with, with Red Bull this weekend with the passing of Madison. So let's, let's hear from Helmet Marco. Helmet, if I could just, uh, sorry, I'll, I'll jump in quickly. Thanks. I'm like, sorry, spinning around. Helmet, congratulations, first of all, on the championship and on such a poignant weekend. Just how special does it feel to get it done today? It shows the spirit of Red Bull. It shows what vision Matishins had, what he, what trust he was given to us and it was this race he would have liked enormously not that we fucked up the pit stop but then how Max was catching up at an in unbelievable speed without uh, ruining the tires so it was a perfect I think uh, I think he wherever he is he enjoyed it very much I mean how tough has this weekend been on the team losing Dietrich it was such a shock. I mean, we knew he's not in good shape, but when it happened, uh, it's different. You can't stand it. And uh, so, you know, normally I, at that time I'm having a telephone call with him. So uh, it's everything is so new. But I spoke with him, uh, as I said, last week, and it was a clear direction and Keep fighting, keep going. We want to win more championships. Oh, and you've certainly done that. And the first win since 2013 in the Constructors' Championship, finally ending that Mercedes run of dominance in the V6 era. Just how much does that mean as well to finally break that run? Uh, of course, uh, that means a lot because we had some, or seven, seven really tough years before we switched to a competitive engine. And here, having a Mercedes in front, that was, of course, we are, that's, yes, was an extra motivation. Oh, congratulations, well done. Thank you very much. Yeah, that was good. Thanks, Chris, for getting that. Uh, Mario, I want to ask you about, you guys are now, the, the tires are now 18-inch tires, so they're, they're a lot more similar to road car tires. Is this helping both? Uh, are you being able to pull some of the, the research and technology from the road cars into the racing and vice versa? It's more uh, uh, from racing to, to the road, but uh, now sometimes it happens also the opposite. Clearly, we use motorsport to develop a technology to use our product in the most stressful situation to develop virtual models of the tires. These cars are the open the lab mo mobile laboratories because yeah. they have so <laughs> many sensors. Can you believe uh, they upload 115 uh, channels uh, on... Uh, each car on our server uh, to, to, to wait for just the tires just the tires Ti ta insane. tires suspension okay but not power unit nothing related so anything, to that. anything wow. related yeah. to the so tires okay thanks to that we can develop for example virtual models of the tires and when you have uh, the know-how in the company you can modify some parameters and simulate uh, uh, what happened on a road tire do you make week-to-week, -week, excuse me, race-to-race -race adjustments for the tires? No, no, no. We are obliged to freeze the product okay. for one That's year. That's what I thought. And then we develop a product for the following year. Okay. But uh, we have uh, continuous exchanges of data with the teams. That's helpful for us to improve our, our tools, our models. And now with the 18-inch tires, also the size is relevant. Because with, with the 13, we have learned a lot, but the size was so different that... Uh, 
with, with the AT in it's much better. I've been yeah. to the factory and I, you know, I know and you do, of course, I've done a lot of two, me and Bob have done a lot of two-wheel uh, and Pirelli so involved in that. So you really have got a, an amazing laboratory to, yeah, get, it, to yeah. get it right. Yeah, yeah. We have laboratories also on track. We, we have lots of data that we can use uh, for developing our technology in the company. Mm. Well, gentlemen, we, do, we just have about a minute and a half left. Uh, I want to say congratulations to the Red Bull team for a Constructors' Championship and, of course, Max Verstappen for winning the race and his championship this season. But we had so many – I mean, congratulations to Lewis Hamilton, his best race of the, of the year. Right. We thought he was going to get that win. I don't know if he's going to get one this year. But so many – and Sebastian Vettel and that battle with Kevin Magnussen – Sebastian Vettel, driver of the day. There's so much. I cannot wait to watch this race again <laughs> because there is so much that we're going to get for this. So, uh, But thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And, of course, we're going to be back with our regular broadcast next week, so both pre- and post-race show. And, of course, uh, the Wednesday show that, that Chris Mendel and I do, uh, Wheel to Wheel. And, uh, and thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We had uh, lots of comments on social media. And however you tuned in today, we want to thank you for tuning in. Uh, we had some folks in Austin and Jonathan Green. One more. Just one more comment. We waited 10 years for the track, the yes. American team, and we said there was one bit missing, and American we, driver, and we've got it. 10-year we celebration. <laughs> You're right. Congratulations, You're right. Logan Sarge. All right, well, thanks, Hopefully. everybody. We are out of time. We really appreciate everybody uh, tuning in, and uh, Mario, we appreciate you coming yes. in the booth. We thank, thank you, you so for much. the invitation. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next Sunday. Ciao.